This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Xiaoik. Shortly before the 15th general election, Malaysia's government under then-Prime Minister Datuk Sri Ismail Sabri Yaakob announced its intention to close down the offices of UNHCR or the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees, which handles protection for asylum seekers and refugees in the country. Now with GE15 behind us, it does remain to be seen whether Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim's administration will adopt a human rights approach towards the refugee situation in Malaysia. But meanwhile, on the show today, we're speaking to 23-year-old Moses, a refugee from Myanmar who arrived in Malaysia as a teenager and now volunteers with a community mental health organisation here. He shares about the hardships that refugees face on a daily basis and what kind of mental health support is needed. This episode talks about suicide and may be triggering for some listeners. Moses, thanks for joining me on the show today. Maybe you could start by introducing yourself. I am Moses, um, currently staying in KL. Um, I'm a refugee myself coming from uh, Burma, Myanmar. And currently I'm volunteering myself with uh, a mental health organization. Um, so it's been close to uh, more than a year. Well, it's uh, going on. It's been going on for more than a year. Uh, well, I do not have any mental health background, uh, but I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm good that that I picked up a few here and there while working or volunteering myself with the this organization. Uh, so I do not know everything, but uh, you know, I, I try my best to provide some of the whatever that I have. Uh, and I also like to say that maybe, uh, you know, uh, this the answer that I have may not be all inclusive for every refugees here or every refugee communities from different countries. Uh, it may mostly or mainly focus on the Myanmar refugee. And, and also that perhaps uh, I like to say I do not represent any community uh, as in uh, meaning that if there's any comment uh, I like to be solely responsible rather than people um, you know reverting it back to the CBOs community-based organization uh, so yes that's the introduction thank you Yes, so our conversation today will be based on your personal experience and your personal observations of having volunteered. And as you said, you know, sort of like within the space of um, what you have been uh, volunteering in. Can I ask Moses how old you are and how long you've been in Malaysia? Uh, sure, I am 23 this year uh, and I've been here for... Um, 10 years. Yes, I've been here for 10 years. So, if I can get you to describe the experience of refugees from Myanmar who come to Malaysia, what have they been through back in Myanmar uh, as well as in the process of coming here? Mm, 
So, uh, well, back in Myanmar, the reasons why many came, uh, I could tell there are three. Uh, you you can tell you can say that Myanmar has been having the longest civil war in the entire world, uh, even at, even up to today, and there's still war or, or uh, yeah conflicts going on within the country. Uh, so that's one reason why many came out. Um, it, perhaps their their homes were burned, their places they they were forced to leave. Uh, they were perhaps uh, you know many things that that happened because of the war that they had to come out uh, elsewhere. Uh, they, they, they would probably be internally displaced within the country or they will be forced out to other neighboring countries, for instance, to Malaysia. And another thing is the discrimination against the minority. So we have uh, quite a number of smaller ethnic uh, or minority. And the majority being the Burmese uh, ethnic. So we have seen, I think, throughout the, the couple of decades, uh, you know, this systematic cleansing, ethnic cleansing that, that's been going on, religious persecution towards the minority, and so on and so on. So this were this 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 could be one uh, another reason that people came out. Um and recently, the military coup that happened in 2021, I think February, uh, which also uh, is still a conflict until today. And that is another reason, right? People uh, are being forced out even until today. Um, so, yes, so that those are the reasons, a couple of reasons that people are forced out. And so the process that we came out, I, I think it may vary, but majority, uh, many of them would come illegally into Malaysia, meaning that they would not take flight. Uh, uh, you know, they would come crossing the borders. Um, so it's harsh, it's uh, daunting, it's quite, uh, you know, it's, it's just uh, they have to cross uh, rivers, water, jungles, uh, and many dying on the way, uh, I could tell. Uh, and perhaps many were also arrested uh, in Thailand, perhaps, and in even when they came to when they arrived in Malaysia. Uh, so this these are the process that this is how people came in. Yeah, I mean you've described that in your words, right? Very harsh, daunting, rel- frankly, um, very dangerous journey, which. Mm the people in the community, the refugees are willing to, um, I guess, take the risk simply because right. situation in Myanmar is so dangerous for them, even more dangerous uh, perhaps, right? But mm-hmm. arguably their problems don't end when they arrive in, in the countries that they are fleeing to, such as Malaysia. Um, but perhaps even be worse because, as you said, um, the lack of a legal entry here, as well as the attitude of um, some members of the public towards the refugees. Can you describe how difficult it is for refugees living in Malaysia? Yeah, like, like you said, uh, you know, refugee or the people from uh, various countries uh, came out uh, gambling and risking their lives, hoping to find uh, a better place. You know, not to say a better place, but a place that is safe for them to strive and to, to thrive, to continue to survive. Uh, so obviously, 
you know, leaving your own country, that means that you lose uh, whatever that you 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 were entitled to, perhaps your home, your land, and even your all your basic human rights. Uh, leaving all that, uh, we came to you know a place that that we we find it safer. Uh, and so, well, in Malaysia, uh, I think uh, I could put four things that uh, you know four kinds of mistreatment or discrimination that um the refugee face uh, or that makes their life difficult for instance uh you know the protection and security uh there were there, there have been immigration rates uh, often hurt uh, in various places and refugees uh, feel unsafe to you know to to freely move around uh, so so that's that's one thing uh perhaps another thing is the uh the employment, right? Uh, refugee are, are well, they are working, uh, but I what I understand is that they are not legally to work, uh, uh, but they have to survive, right? They have to, nobody like uh, provide them financial. Uh, well, well, let's the UN would not provide you with food and and uh, clothing and all the basic necessities. So they have, they have to work to come up with something for them to survive. Uh, and often that means that they have to work in uh, 3D jobs, like dangerous, dirty, and demeaning uh, jobs. Um, and then access to healthcare is another thing that makes their life difficult. Uh, well, I think I, 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 I'm grateful that you know the government allowed fifty percent discount for the refugees, which is which is really really great, something to be grateful for. But uh, still, I think for many refugee, fifty percent is still another fifty percent that they have to pay is still quite an amount for them. Uh, so that is you know, and and perhaps uh, many refugee that came, they are not automatically documented or provided a protection status when they come when they come in um you know there may be people who are still undocumented even until today uh and with that it's really hard to uh get uh, assess the healthcare. Uh, you know many many health cares uh, require you to have a document to to process your what your case uh, to for, to get a healthcare services uh so that makes life difficult for some refugee. Uh, I think the last thing is education, which is very important uh, for the you know for the people to well to 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 build resilience in 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 a sense uh, for the young refugee. And I've, I what I understand is that uh, you know they are not or the refugees are not allowed to access to formal education here. So that result in them uh within the communities building up or coming up with uh what we call clc it's the community learning centers uh uh you know we have we have couples of them uh within uh, every uh, ethnic group within every refugee communities and yes uh but not to forget that there are also some ngo school that that help out uh, refugee people uh, refugee students uh, and we've seen quite brilliant people, uh, brilliant scholars out of these schools. Um, so, yeah, to wrap up, I think, uh, you know, it's it's difficult that uh, 
the people left everything behind and then they came here, but then uh, they, they still face uh, legal protection, employment issue, uh, access to help, the problem with assessing healthcare and then perhaps education. So obviously, it should come as no surprise that all these challenges would affect every single refugee's mental well-being and their emotions as well. So we'll come back to discuss that on the show with me. On the show with me today, Moses, a refugee from Myanmar and a community mental health volunteer. Stay tuned to Health and Living, BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shaoik. Today, I'm speaking to Moses, a refugee from Myanmar, about the daily hardships faced by refugees in Malaysia, particularly from the perspective of his refugee community. We talked about the struggles of the refugees to just attain basic human rights like daily necessities, food, shelter, as well as education and health care. Moses, these are fundamental things that we Malaysians take for granted and we may not understand the mental health impact of what it's like to face anxiety over these issues every day. So if you could give us more insight into what is the state of mind of refugees on a daily basis and their ability to cope day to day. I would say, you know, with, with all the difficulties faced in uh, back home and also in the host country, uh, refugees are undoubtedly uh, affected psychologically and emotionally. Uh, so with all things going on uh, throughout their, you know, on a daily basis, um, and, and all the challenges as they are going through in the country, in the host country, I think uh, they, they, they will perhaps feel hopeless, uh, you know, with the uncertain future, uh, being stateless um, and, and facing discrimination uh, in, in the host country. Um, and and uh, perhaps also some may feel uh, anger and frustration because of, again, uh, uncertain future. You know, they, they, they may probably have been here in Malaysia for quite a number of years. Uh, uh, thinking that, you know, you know, they came out from their host country, but then over here, they face the, ch- the difficulties again, uh, the challenges. And so I think they, they, will, they will find it uh, hopeless and frustrated, uh, if, if that, that makes sense. Thank you. Absolutely. And what about for younger people? Um, you came yourself when you were 13. As, um, as a teenager, you're basically a child, right? Um and we think of children as, uh, of childhood as a time to be joyful, right? To be hopeful, which is the opposite of what you said, that hopelessness. Um, right. H- how does it affect young people mentally? Well, to, uh, you know, to fork out my own um, experience, uh, I think, uh, you know, I came out because... Uh, and I was really young. I, I had no idea. I, I just follow my parents wherever they go, I'll go. Um, and so we came out. Uh, so as a young man, I did not understand much what's going on uh, until I reached a certain age that I come to realize, oh, you know, because of this and that, uh, the, the, the difficulty that you face, uh, you came out. 
Did you feel angry when you did finally realize the impact of what everyone in your community was going through? Uh, yes, uh, in a way, I feel you know that it is not right, and it's it, it just feel uh, frustrating how uh, people are mistreated. Um, and you know losing all the rights that you have is mental health and all these um i guess these emotions and and the struggle the emotional struggles something that people from your community are comfortable to accept and talk about is it part of your culture um to talk about mental health issues or is there a stigma um well, in the past, uh, I would say mental health uh, was not uh, aware of by the communities. Uh, it is not well known. So meaning that when somebody is mentally ill, people would point finger and then, so there's a stigma. People would point finger and, and you know, tell that this person is, is possessed, for instance. So there are many factors to this, uh, you know, that mental health was not made aware in the communities. First, perhaps uh, is a lack of mental health awareness itself. Uh, second is the many in the communities uh, prioritize uh, physical needs and survival more than their own mental health. Uh, uh, and there may be other, other factors, you know, culturally, religiously, and also the social norms, um, you know, where mental health is regarded as a taboo to talk about. So that that's in the past. Um, so uh, people with mental health problems will be stigmatized. Um, and it was not a part of the culture to talk about it. But over time, I've, I, I believe that mental health has become uh, well, something that the uh, something that the community would start talking about. Uh, while there is still the need to create and uh, raise more awareness in the communities, uh, I can safely say that uh, a greater part of the communities have become aware of the mental health. If we talk about people going through mental health problems and if they can't get support, then it spirals, right? Then it goes down to perhaps actual depression, and then it could go down to not being able to work, not being able to just um, uh, care for their family, perhaps. And then it could even go worse to thoughts of suicide or attempting suicide. So have you seen, or rather has the community um, observed that sort of spiraling downwards because of their mental health issues just they're not just able to get any support. Uh, well, the supports are there avail are available, but of course to a limited extent. Um, and yes, so definitely there is a spiraling effect uh, that you mentioned. Uh, when their mental health are not taken care for, they would you know all this would happen uh, eventually result in suicide attempt. Uh. I think we, we have seen that in the past. Uh, there, were, there were news that you know reported uh, publicly. And when you say there is limited support, perhaps you could describe 
um, what kind of mental health support is available? Where is it coming from? When I say limited support, uh, what I mean is that uh, there are mental health uh, organizations that are available to help. Uh, and it would, even within the communities, I've, I've seen that uh, you know during lockdown or when, when the suicide attempt uh, rate rises, um, the Gachin community in this in this case uh, carry out an awareness session to try to minimize uh, well, the mental health issues within the community. Uh, and also I've seen that uh, they carry out some gatherings, social gatherings, uh, such as, you know, they, they, would, they would come up with football tournaments, a competition for the, within the community to, to relieve their stress, for instance. Uh, and, and so these were a few things that, that were done within the community. Uh, and when I say limited, you see the cases with mental health within the refugees are still rising. Um, but the capacity of well, the organization that try to help uh, is is limited in, in a way. Uh, so that's that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah. What do the organizations try to do though? What kinds of mental health programs perhaps do they have? Perhaps you want to share from the perspective of the, uh, at least just the organization that you volunteer with, right? Okay. Uh, okay, mental health supports, uh, I think, provided, uh, uh, well, it, it ranges from anywhere from counseling uh, and support group all the way to uh, medication, treatment with medication. Uh, so these are available. Um, and also, uh, the organization does reach out to the community in, in, in some way. Uh, so these are what is currently available. So when you say reaching out to the community, um, do the organizations or at least the one that you volunteer with also work to build the skills within the community themselves um, so that they can support each other? Well, uh, one thing that we have in this organization is we have a couple of refugee uh, volunteers who... Uh, who work in this com com in this organization? So uh, with that, and then when we reach out to the community, this refugee uh, volunteer would reach out to their own respective communities. Um, you know, perhaps to share a top uh, to, to to carry out a sharing sessions on mental uh, health um, topic. Uh, so. Perhaps that create an awareness within the community and perhaps uh, that also allow them to find out what they can do when they have certain mental health issues or problems. Mm -hmm. How do you think these mental health programs have helped refugees? Has, has it helped them to cope better with what they're going through? Uh, Okay, well, I would say that uh, the communities uh, have become more aware of mental health, uh, you know, more than ever. And then uh, acknowledge that uh, what they're going through is mental health issue problem and it's, it's not something else. Uh, I think in that sense, it helps, it, it helps them to realize uh, what is going on 
and uh, accept it. With refugees trying to cope with so much, um, so many other problems on a daily basis, is it possible that they would try to, or that they do have to prioritize? Like you say, they, are, they have to prioritize the, the physical problems first and perhaps do they bury their feelings? Do they feel like they just have to put aside their hopelessness and their anger and their frustration just so that they can move on? Have you observed mm. that? Well, I would say that, uh, um, you know, we would uh, often, I think, refugee normalize their feelings and, and frustration to avoid bigger problems or the consequences of uh, anything that they, would, they go through. For instance, when refugees are discriminated against at work, uh, they would let go of things to avoid getting laid off, uh, you know, for example. Uh, so I would say it's worrying, of course, uh, to suppress our feeling for repeatedly for a long, in a long run. Uh, so, so, so in a long run, it will significantly harm our mental health and, and eventually uh, that will lead to like the spiraling effect that you mentioned. Uh, so you, you may not get laid off uh, from work uh, because you suppress your feeling, you suppress your anger, your frustration, but uh, it eventually would, uh, over time, it eventually would stress you out, cause will lead you to depression and anxiety. Yeah, and um, apart from support originating from the communities themselves or from NGOs perhaps, trying to uh, reach out, what other mental health services do refugee communities in Malaysia need? I do see the need uh, that, you know, mental health services, uh, it would be really good to uh, to come together to uh, provide mental health services to the wider refugee. Uh, like I said, uh, you know, the mental health services currently available are quite uh, restricted, uh, not to say limited, but oh, or you can you can say limited as well to uh, just a, a number of people. And but the people who are facing re the mental health, the refugee who are facing mental health issues are still rising. So with that, I think there is a need to you know to to have uh, organization or, or public facilities uh, other than the current. The current ones to maybe uh, you know to to trying to help out uh. and, and looking beyond um, just healthcare services, you talked a lot about discrimination already, and that must be a huge impact on the mental health of refugees. So I guess, what is your message to people in Malaysia when it comes to the way we accept? refugees in the community so that it will not make your mental health issues worse right I, well I would say that there is a need to uh, to to raise awareness about refugee itself in the Malaysia society uh, well I'll say that as, as the year go by the awareness has been uh, rising rising but 
the vast majority are still uh, not aware of uh, the refugees living in, in, in host country in Malaysia. Uh, so I think it would be really good to raise the awareness of who refugees are and then why are they here, for instance. And well, I would say that it would be really uh, good if we have an acceptable, welcoming and perhaps inclusive societies toward the refugees, then their lives would be made well much easier. Uh, yeah. Do you have any thoughts on how we could build the resilience of people in your community, um, considering a lot of the challenges cannot be resolved overnight. The awareness is increasing, but it's a slow process, isn't it? Um, right. How can the resilience of the refugee community be strengthened further so that you can uh, continue to cope despite the many challenges? Well, it is, uh, you know, something marvelous to see that the refugee or, uh, or the community, you know, striving, striving and, and bouncing back despite many hardships and perhaps challenges uh, they face along the way. Uh, and many of them draw their strength, uh, you know, from a spiritual being religiously, while there may be others who obtain their support and help from their family or the community. And I think looking back, how everyone uh, talking about Malaysia, uh, within Malaysia, uh, it, how everyone helped out during the uh, COVID lockdown, where you know where it, it was really difficult, uh, where you can see food, uh, food provisions and all, all kinds of necessities uh, delivered to here and there. I think you can realize how important it is uh, for people to come together to support, uh, especially the vulnerable group or the people. Uh, so with that, I think I believe that building the resilience uh, for the refugee communities, I think will come back to the people around them. Uh, and I think one way that, like I mentioned, uh, uh, we can build resilience by creating or building an acceptable, welcoming and perhaps inclusive societies for the refugee or toward the refugee community. Thank you so much, Moses. I've been speaking to Moses, a refugee from Myanmar and a community mental health volunteer about the daily experiences of refugees living in Malaysia and the impact of these challenges on their mental health. You've been listening to Health and Living on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.